Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, binaural production engineer Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to the show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Preston Dennett. Thanks for coming on, Preston. (laughs) Hey, always a pleasure. Thanks We're for having, having me. you here. It's best. <laughs> so, yes. uh, so what do we got going on, man? Oh, it's a good time for UFOs and UFO research. It really is. I mean, to see this subject finally coming into the mainstream in a real way is mm-hmm. definitely so different from how it's been for me for so so long. Was there ever a bad time for this topic? You think? Um, yeah, I mean, everything, it's kind of the dark ages still with this subject. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm serious about that. It's just mm-hmm. people, you know, contactees who are going through this experience yes. really have nowhere to turn to. And I still get contacted regularly. I mean, pretty much daily by people who just want to talk to somebody that's it someone who will listen to their story without rolling their eyes and sighing and saying shut up because uh, there's still a ridicule factor in this I'm just contacted by a guy from canada mm-hmm. who's like super excited he's like you know i'm very happy to find that someone who's going to take my story seriously had a very interesting encounter where he was walking with his friend. They were, I think, 20 years old, 21, and saw this enormous shape over the uh, area near their homes. And it was this bright, glowing, kind of cigar-shaped craft. And he had kind of a difficult time describing exactly what it, it looked like. The surface of the craft was glowing, but it was multicolored, orange, red, yellow, kind of this undulating prismatic pattern. And uh, not like little colored lights, you know, with portholes, the classic craft. I've had one contact who described how these craft can actually like change their appearance like a, how did you put it, a cuttlefish? Like a, you know, a squid or a chameleon. They have the ability to sort of just make any color or on the surface of the craft that they want. And so I think that's what he was describing. And they're watching this thing, and it's, you know, I haven't done the, I just got this report, so I'm not like fully uh, remembering everything in great detail. But uh, it shrunk down to this tiny little ball of light. Prior to this, I mean, it was a huge thing. It's how he's describing it, hundreds of feet wide. And it shrinks down to this little orb-type thing and starts going over the road and 
they chase after it, freak them out, and it zips off. And at this point, they realized that there was this humanoid. And it, when he first described it, I thought it was like some distance from them, but I wrote him back. And he's like, no, this thing was about five feet away from us. Mm -hmm. And uh, what he said he saw was this thing was, you know, there was a sort of monkey bars, you know, sort of a metallic bar. And this thing was, looked like it was sitting down, up, sitting in a sitting position, but upside down uh, on this, this metal bar. And it was about four feet tall, as you could tell from its position, and utterly black, completely black. And I asked him what he meant by that, and he says it was as if it was absorbing all the light around it. I mean, there was no reflection to it whatsoever. I found that interesting. That's something that I've heard weird. before, right? Uh, this is some you, people will describe UFOs like this, or, and or they'll say it doesn't reflect light. It has a metallic surface that's not reflect, or it's shining down a big bright light. But the light itself is not illuminating the area around it. So there's these weird, unusual, almost interdimensional aspects to all this. He's like, when this UFO had shown up, all this, the animal sounds stopped. The Oz factor was in full force. And uh, they're looking at this thing, this humanoid, and they had the sense it was looking at them, even though they couldn't really see if it was wearing anything or a face or anything like that. But it was close, <laughs> mm -hmm. and that was enough to completely freak them out, and they ran for, you know, in terror basically, uh, and left the scene. So he wrote me about this, you know, wondering what my opinion was, and of course I asked for further details. Right. And uh, rarely is something like this uh, what I would call a one-off. Uh, it, when someone has that close of an encounter. It's likely part of a complex of experiences, a continuum of events. And I kind of suspected it from the way he was talking, because he did mention that his friend, they never talked about it afterwards. Huge red flag. <laughs> you know, when you, when it's you really common. It's weird. Isn't it? You think if you saw something completely like, wow, phantasmagorical, first thing you're going to want to do is like talk about it to no end. Yeah. But nope, that's not what happens um, often. I mean, sometimes it does, but often it doesn't. I'm not sure what's going on here. <laughs> I think part of it is a, the human mind's tendency to slip into denial, to not accept something that does not fit into your worldview, to sort of like let it simmer first before you, <laughs> you know, if it's something that is traumatic. But I think it's also something that this phenomena, phenomenon exerts upon a witness. That it's like, don't, don't talk about it. You will not talk about it. You know, this is not the droid you're looking for <laughs> type of thing. Uh, because I mean, that, it happens so often. So at any rate, you know, he's mentioning this other witness, which he lost touch with. And he says the guy just went nuts. He, he went off the edge, you know, mentally unbalanced. And that was another kind of red flag. And further questioning with this guy, I said that he did have some psychological trauma from this, you know, which caused him anxiety and trouble sleeping. 
And, uh, yep, turns out he does have a lot of other unusual experiences going on. Hmm. What else does he have? Um, he was talking about weird dreams. That's the, one of my main questions. Like, did you ever dream about this incident? Because after someone has an experience and, and something's that close, the chances of missing time are way, way higher. And he couldn't point towards anything that would directly indicate missing time. But dreams about an incident, following an incident, uh, often reveal uh, details that this could be something more. And he had dreams of entities staring at him. And these entities, he said, looked like his family members, except weren't. They, their eyes were different. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you know, that, that is something that does turn up. I've had people describe like encounters where greys would come and first appeared as a, a family member, and then boom, they're a grey. And so, and he's had some. some some weird dreams and stuff. I'd actually have to look it up to see exactly what else he said. I'm trying to remember. There was shadow beings, um, some telepathic messages in his head about the universe and his origins and stuff like this. Uh, kind of esoteric, sort of spiritual type stuff. And this just happened. So I mean, I like, literally just just started talking to this guy, kind of jumping the gun talking about it. <clears throat> but he just did, he's like, oh yeah, you know, I'd be honored if you know you investigate my case and uh, perhaps write about it. So, yeah, this is the sort of thing that happens a lot to me. I'm constantly contacted by people. A lady in Maine, she contacted me because she saw one of my videos which I described an incident involving a lady and her friend who had an abduction experience off the Ventura Freeway of all places. And if you know the Ventura Freeway, it's jam-packed, it's crowded, <laughs> it's a traffic jam all the time. And they were taken during traffic and they saw you know, this object come swooping down, this is at night, uh, I think it was 9.15 in like a couple of days before Thanksgiving in 1994. And there's cars all around them. You know, this is a crowded freeway. You see, she is, I call her Lisa. That's not her real name. She's had a lifetime of experiences. In fact, this picture here behind me uh, is illustrating her experience. Mm -hmm. At any rate, she's on the freeway, and they both see this light. Her friend is driving, Lisa's in the passenger seat, and this light comes swooping down, and Lisa's like, oh no, no, please don't let that be a UFO. Why, why? You know, she's not happy about her experiences. They're quite traumatic for her. And this thing just drops down out of the sky and sends this beam of light down onto them, and sure enough, it's a UFO. And they're screaming, and so at this point, time seemed to stop. All the cars in the freeway were like perfectly still. And uh, next thing they know, they're being pulled out of the car. There's little praying mantis, short ones, like five feet surrounding the car, being pulled up in a beam of light. 
it's a long involved experience. We can get into it, but uh, this other lady saw this video. This is a lady from Maine. Mm -hmm. She lives in Maine now, and she's like, you know what? I was on the freeway on that day because this incident was got some publicity. It was in the local newspaper. And uh, she saw the article the next day, you know, UFO incident over Ventura Freeway. And she saw it. She saw this. Not, she didn't see it happen, but she had a weird experience. She was in the same area, same time. And she says she was driving with her then-fiancé or husband. And this bright blue light just goes whoosh right over them. And it lit up area all around them and they're like holy crap what the heck was that and it was just gone and they didn't think about it they just kind of looked at each other didn't say a word <laughs> didn't talk about it except for a while you know right as it happened they're like oh my god and didn't think much of it until they saw the article the next day so she wanted to call me up and say you know what i think i may have actually witnessed what you just put on that video like, wow uh, that's amazing she wanted me to put her in touch with the witness which I can't do because the witness is like no I don't want to talk to anyone don't call me anymore I'm pulling out of the UFO field I just want a normal life uh, which is unfortunate because I think it might provide some level of you know, corroboration at least but on the same hand sometimes the witnesses don't like corroboration <laughs> They want to just think of this as something that, you know, dreamlike or perhaps not real. And when they get that corroboration, it can be chilling and confirmatory and like settles down on them like, you know, a cold blanket. Just mm -hmm. like, oh no, this is real. This is real. And that sends a whole new level of fear on them sometimes. But yeah, this, and this lady, it turned out, called Nip, is a contactee and had no one to talk to. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I'm up here in Maine. There just aren't any people. We're very, the East Coast is far more conservative than you guys in California. <laughs> she said it was a real shock moving out there and finding out that you know, UFOs were not freely discussed like they are here. Uh, and I think that there, there is some truth to that. We are kind of new agey here in California. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she turned out, yeah, she's had a lot of experiences. She woke up one morning and there was these three blue beings at the foot of her bed. And that was another thing that freaked her out because in one of my videos I described you know, these little short blue beings. And she's like, oh my God, that happened to me. And the pictures you know, were very much like what I saw. She had a drawing of what she saw. And I'm like, wow, these are similar. She wasn't like a super accomplished artist. So they were kind of stick figure-ish. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was amazing to see. She's like, yeah, the wrinkles and everything. I couldn't draw them, but what you, you know, had on that video was very much like what I saw. And she freaked out because uh, these beings are, gave her a message. And they said, your, your, is it her son or her daughter? I forget. Her, your, her child. Said, your child is sick. You know, your child is sick, you need to go check on them. And left. And she went running, you know, she jumped up, she, and ran into her, her child's room, and her child sat up in bed and vomited instantly. 
And so that was weird. And she cleaned up her kid, you know, got, got, forget if it's a boy or a girl. It was a girl, yeah. Got her all wrapped up, cleaned up. The husband finally woke up. He wouldn't wake up. He was not waking up. Another red flag. Uh, and finally, she gets her kid all wrapped up and warm, and she's like, how are you feeling? And the kid says, mommy, mommy, the, the, there was a, a man came. What did you call it? A month, a, a sky fairy or something. She she had some term for it, and drew it. Actually, drew this, and it was very much like what she saw. Almost the same kind of drawing. <laughs> she showed me the drawing. Oh wow! And there, a, and there was a little cloud above this figure, and she turns to her kids like, "What? What's, what's that?" And the kid said, "That's a cloud." And she's like, "Why? What? What is? Why did you draw a cloud?" And the kid says, well, because the being came from the sky. The man came from the sky. I go, oh. <laughs> yeah, that freaked her out. Uh, yeah, she, she's had missing time. She was gone from her house and had no idea until she pulls herself out of bed and goes walking into the living room and scares the living daylights out of her husband. <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? Where did you come from? like, what do you mean I was in bed? And he's like, no, you weren't. I checked the whole house. You were gone. I assumed you were out shopping with their friend. He's like, no, I did not go shopping. I've been in bed. He's like, no, you weren't. She had no memory whatsoever of what happened. But she wasn't where she was supposed to be. Wow, that's strange. Telling you, there's so much more of this going on than people realize. Oh, I... You know, one lady I've t had a couple of contactees tell me, you know, I'm trying to determine how common is this experience, because you know, I realized early on it's much more common than people realize. Used to be thought of as very rare. Yeah. You know, abductions are very rare. You know, very few people see UFOs. Um, it's not a lot of people who see them. It's you know, 10% or something of the pop, 10 to 20% of the population report a UFO, which is Actually, quite a bit, uh, but in terms of abductions, no, it's far lower. And then I heard that quote from Jalen Hayek. I've mentioned this before: one in forty. <laughs> and uh, then, of course, the Roper Organization, which does polling, found one in fifty. Then I interviewed this guy from England, who was on board a UFO and turned around. He's in one of these rooms with this human-looking lady, and she's being very amorous towards him. They're both undressed, and she's like trying to mate with him. And uh, he's looking around him because he's fully conscious. This guy has not gone under hypnosis. He remembers. And he's looking around. He's shocked. It's like There's this round room. It's got no light. Who's this lady? She's human, but she's very attractive. And she's acting kind of strange. Uh, she seems really excited that he's conscious and aware. And he looks, there's this archway, a rounded archway that leads to a corridor that's very thin and curving and looks strange. And he sees two greys walk by and he sh shouts, you know, makes an expletive. <laughs> and she's like, shh, be quiet, just ignore, just ignore them and they won't bother you. And so he starts to turn around. She's like, no, no, don't turn around, don't turn around. Stay looking at me, look at me. And it's too late, he turns around and gets 
the biggest shock of his life. And he's had a lot of experiences, but he never saw anything like this. He was in a warehouse-sized room, and there was more than 50 to 100 people, he's not sure, lying on the ground, undressed, uh, and some were mating with each other. Some were unconscious, uh, but some were coupled up. It's almost like this... I don't even know what to call it, uh, but it freaked him out. And that experience led him to believe that many, many more people are being taken than most people realize. And in fact, he thinks that pretty much everybody, hmm. pretty much everybody. How, how do you explain lately? You know, we, we've talked a lot in the past about, you know, what they're trying to it, with, with the extraterrestrials are trying to, you know, teach us and things like that. Um, but an orgy, that's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, that was the word I didn't <laughs> want to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but we do know there's a really strong interest in reproduction. Not only an interest, but an active sort of agenda towards that, particularly with the greys. And I've got story after story after story after story of that. I mean, it happened to my own sister. Could not believe it. She had just had her baby. And, uh, you know, my niece. And the baby was a week old. And my sister Valerie, little sister, wakes mm -hmm. up. You know, her baby daddy <laughs> is in bed next to her. And uh, she wakes up and looks through the curtains. The curtains are almost completely closed. There's a little crack in the curtains, right? And she's looking, and there's an object right in the crack of the curtains. And she's looking at it, and it's going up and down, up and down, right in the crack of the curtains. As I'm like, that's kind of weird. And so she jumps up and looks at it, and it starts going side to side. Side to side stops and goes up and down. I'm like, could it have been a helicopter? She's like, no one wasn't a helicopter. I can tell you that. It scared me. And she ran back to bed and tried to wake up her guy. And he would not wake up. Would not wake up. This is that psychic sleep thing again. And that is a sign that they are coming or have been there, the ETs. And uh, she lay back in bed and kind of, oh no, how this actually began is she thought it was a star. Because she was looking at it, and it's just sitting there right in the crack of the curtains. She made a wish. Starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. You know, wish I may, wish I might have the wish I wish tonight. And that's when this thing started moving. <laughs> and she's like, whoa! <laughs> oh my god! And she actually... I think she went outside at some point, and she's looking at it, and then she's looking around. She says, I don't know if this is weird, Preston, and I don't even know what to why I'm telling you this, but all the other houses, their lights were off. And that's never happened. I'm like, what do you mean that's never happened? She says, well, there's all the houses, you know, they keep their lights on. Every house has a nightlight, pretty much. So, you know, like any suburb, you see it. People have a little outdoor light on almost always. and Or you can see lights coming from the windows. Or, and it wasn't terribly late. It was like 11 p.m. I'm like, how... how unusual would you rate that and she says highly unusual this was has, i've never seen it like that I'm like, valerie 
why didn't you call me? You know, why didn't you call me? You know I'm interested in UFOs. It's like, well, I didn't want to admit it was a UFO. One, first. And second, I didn't want, I was scared. And I didn't want to come across, a, you know, a scared, helpless lady. I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I'm, you should have called me. You know I'm interested in this. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just, it happens so fast and you don't know how to react or what to do. And uh, she just went back to bed while it was still there. But it was there for 20 minutes or so. And her, her, her man would not wake up. Her boyfriend would not wake up. So, yeah, this is in my family. It's totally in my family. It freaks me out a little bit. Uh, she has not reported the missing time or anything like that. But I have to wonder... Because her baby was only a week old, and if I had a nickel for every time someone's told me that, I'd have at least $10. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I mean, but you know, you see what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a, an interest in reproduction. And if you're pr a contactee and you're pregnant, they're coming around. Mm. They're going to check up on you. I've got case after case after case after case involving a woman who's pregnant or has just given birth. And it's usually all through pregnancy, especially right when they're eight, nine months, and usually a week or two after the baby. Mm. Not much after that. Their interest in reproduction, you know, one of the things that I sometimes, theories that I consider, take seriously is that the extraterrestrials were once human and they left the planet at some certain point and because of all the time that they spent in space they lost their ability to reproduce and now they need humans again to in order to do that do you think that that is what has happened yes i absolutely think that's spot on i'm not sure if they necessarily left planet earth and, you know, perhaps, I mean, I, I can't completely rule that out. That's not the story I'm hearing from contactees who have asked or gotten that information. And that story is absolutely coming from a wide variety of sources. My latest book, Wondrous, there was a lady who got that exact information. The ETs told her that they genetically modified themselves to do space travel. And what they did was they took out all the genetics that caused emotional activity because it was causing problems with you know, getting along and ha having prolonged space travel in tight quarters. And that without emotions, they didn't have to deal with aggression and greed and jealousy and envy and anger and all of that. And not only that, they also did suffer radiation damage because space is dangerous. And there's gamma radiation and it screws up with your genetics. And they started having trouble reproducing and it got progressively worse. And not only that, it led them to being, um, they're very spiritually evolved, but uh, they started to move up into a sort of a higher vibratory state which they weren't entirely physical. None of us are entirely physical anyway. I mean, we all have aspects to us. 
we have a you know a dream body, an astral body, and we're all fully interdimensional from the highest vibration to the lowest. Except they had retracted from the third dimension to some degree that they were sort of losing touch with it a little bit. They had lost some of what we would term physicality. Right. And that, that's what really attracted uh, them to us. Is because we are very physical. We're very grounded in physical three-dimensional reality. We're very emotional. And uh, that is what they are. They said they looked like us. They used to look just like us. We're human-looking, as we would perceive ourselves. That's what they looked like. This is all from one lady. And I've got that same story from four or five other contactees that I've personally researched. And these are the ones who have you know, great recall. I think this is, uh, all the others, you know, because there's hundreds, <laughs> would have gotten the same story if they could you know, get past the fear and so forth. But I've read this from cases from Barbara Lamb, from John Mack. I think Bud Hopkins talked, had a case or two like that. Whitley Strieber, I know, talked mm -hmm. to a contactee who was told the same thing. We once looked just like you. If you're not careful, you will one day look like us. So absolutely, I think the grays are basically genetically, I don't want to say identical, but certainly close to it. Um, and that would total, totally make sense if they're actually doing this hybrid babies, which I think they are personally. <laughs> I know that's a very controversial aspect of all this, the whole yeah. hybrid baby phenomenon. Boy, when I heard that, when I first got in this field, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't ever want to even think about that. I mean, it's disturbing. It's hard to believe. It's phantasmagorically bizarre, but it would make sense if they are essentially human, and that's what they're trying to do, is reinvigorate their genetics for two reasons. To reintroduce emotions and physicality, and to uh, restore their ability to reproduce naturally, as opposed to externally or in vitro. I don't think cloning is a big as thing as is sometimes portrayed in the literature. But looking at it carefully, I think people jump to that conclusion when they see babies in little tanks, like, oh, maybe they're being cloned. No, I think these are more akin to external, what would you call it? A uterus sort of thing. Externally um, raised in a mm -hmm. tank. Uh, but not necessarily cloned, as we would think of it, because that they're taking our genetics. They're all about genetics. And I think that's what's going on here with the hybrid baby phenomena. I know David Jacobs says, ah, they're creating hybrids, and one day all the hybrids are going to land, and we're all going to be basically ordered around, and if you're part of the project, then you're lucky, and maybe you get to live. I'm like, David Jacobs... What are you thinking? <laughs> Why? You know, it's, I don't think it's as nefarious as all that. Honestly, I think this has been going on for millennia. Right. I mean, that's if you look at the ancient writings and 
oral traditions from indigenous cultures. I think this sort of genetic intervention has been a regular thing. And we're only now just waking up to it because we've got it's the information age. And education is now much more prevalent among mm -hmm. the population. I mean, a couple hundred years ago, nobody could read. It was just you know, very few people, scholars, religious you know, monks and stuff. The vast majority of the population was not educated the way they are today. There were no public schools. It wasn't like that. Uh, it's a very, very different world than it was 200 years ago, 300. No electricity. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, n none. There, there was no technology, really, uh, be much beyond the Stone Age, just a couple of hundred years ago. We did advance quite a bit in a very short amount of time. Do you think some of that advancement, too, is due to extraterrestrial intervention over the last 200 years? I think that. I believe that. I don't know it. Uh, certainly, there's a lot of reports. Because if you look, it's not really my specialty, but I've, you know, I've read all these UFO books. I need a book I can get my hands on. And some speak to that quite directly. I mean, we do know, I think there's enough whistleblower testimony. It's not just Bob Lazar. You know, there's Ben Rich. There's Colonel Corso. There's a bunch of people. I've talked to some myself who say we are reverse engineering alien technology. And I don't know if Colonel Corso is right when he just said, you know, I think he listed like five or ten things. Kevlar, night vision, integrated circuits, fiber optics. Um, Lasers, I think. Hmm. You mentioned a bunch of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I watched a show recently about that. I can verify the fiber optic one. Yeah, and I, and I started, and I heard but, all this. I'm like, okay, let's. who discovered <laughs> this? And you punch it in, and there are inventors who developed this. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that got me into this topic was I was working at Bell Labs. And this is back when I still smoked cigarettes. I was outside you know, having a cigarette. And I was talking with one of the scientists at Bell. And, you know, I was there, like, upgrading computers and stuff. He had asked me, like, what I was doing. And I said, oh, I'm just upgrading computers. And he, and he goes, well, you know that's alien technology. And I was like, <laughs> you know, at that time, I kind of laughed it off. He goes, well, you know, I worked on that technology. And he goes, so is fiber optics. So I actually heard <laughs> firsthand from just a complete stranger. It makes sense because I mean, the things UFOs do with lights is so mind-blowing. <laughs> We're not shining flashlights down on people. This is a not <laughs> normal light. I can't, there's like so many descriptions of a beam of light coming down and it's going slow. We don't have any light that can do that. It comes down at the speed of light. Not theirs. They can control it. And it's this coherent, thick, water-like light like this almost opaque and it, it it strikes you boom you might be paralyzed boom you might be healed you might be pulled through a solid wall you might get communication you might get levitated <laughs> make it burn make it healed they are have these little 
buttons, I think, that they can do. All right, healing beam, <laughs> levitating beam. Burn, let's burn them. I don't think it, I shouldn't say that. Like, let's burn <laughs> um, But, uh, I mean, there are a few cases where people have been burned by a beam of light. So, there what you is, go. Um, I don't know if it was Chile or... Was somewhere in South America, some town that had tons of extraterrestrials coming at one point. So much so that he brought in the military and doctors and all kinds of people. And one of the things that they were saying was that these people were being burned by these UFOs. Yes, this is the island of Colares yes. in Brazil. And it was a big deal. Bob Pratt wrote a book about this, UFO terror in Brazil. It's a good book, and a lot of researchers like freak out and they point towards this incident as a good example of UFO hostility. And the natives, you know, the indigenous people, I should say, were not having a happy time about this. They called them chupa chupas, like the chupacabra, uh, but sort of because these things would come down, they'd strike with a beam of light, they'd be left with these puncture wounds sometimes, and died of what looks like radiation poisoning so this was not a big like healing <laughs> type incident no this was quite scary for them it was causing havoc over i think it was a period of a year or two and uh there was a doctor who was examining mm -hmm. these patients and it's very well verified uh and there was a guy who was investigating this a researcher, he died under mysterious circumstances. Uh, there was apparently a government cover-up. A lot of, a lot of controversy surrounding this. And uh, there's some schools of thought on this incident, on the series of incidents, I should say, that this was not what it appeared to be, and that it was in fact. I don't know if this is true. I don't have any direct evidence pointing towards it. This is not like my case, so I don't really know. But I try to keep up on things. And uh, this is one of the theories that what actually happened was not aliens really at all, but more my lab, more a government operation mm -hmm. to see if we can, you know, terrorize a group of people and make them think it's aliens doing it. Uh, because what you don't see in that series of incidents is a lot of what the classic onboard encounters or greys or aliens or missing time. It's just these beams of light coming down and frying people. Uh, and we do have that technology. We do have the ability to fly some of this stuff around. Uh, so I think that's just something to consider. Because whenever anyone says these ETs are hostile, they're here to take over our planet, do not trust the grades, they're demonic, and so forth, I don't know that that's true. If they really wanted to take us over, come on, could we stop them? They have not done this. They're so technologically advanced, we wouldn't have a chance in hell of stopping them. And... We're just one planet out of how many? <laughs> I mean, an endless number, billions upon billions. To think that we're that important, worth taking over, is a little bit arrogant. Um, why would they? What do we have that would be so precious to them? 
that they could not, you know, get elsewhere. Nothing Why, really. I, mean, I just don't find the evidence right. persuasive that this is something we have to really worry about. Yeah. Not, yeah, I, I would say, too, that probably sounds more to me like some type of covert government experiment on some kind of weapon. Yeah, I worry about it because this was you know, not an area that was technologically developed. It's more, I think, what you would describe as a undeveloped country mm-hmm. or a third, third, third world. I don't like that term. But, you know, not like here where, you know, everyone is going to school every day and we got our textbooks and got a basic education and science and well you would hope we would these sometimes the ignorance that i see coming out of people like mm, do your homework you know, take take some time to actually study things uh because i think it, it would be a lot easier to deal with this subject if people just took a little bit of time to think for themselves rather than just swallow hook line and sinker the information that the lies that were being fed, not only the government, but the media. I mean, it's shocking how much disinformation is out there. This is a real problem with this subject. I'll go onto Facebook groups and, you know, see if, see if I can find anything intelligent and interesting. And I would say over 50% of it is. CGI and complete just bull crap. <laughs> I mean, there was one that I'm like, oh no, really? One lady, there was a post like, aliens are going to blow up our sun unless we meet their demands. Okay, where's your evidence? <laughs> I'd like to know where you heard this. And case after case, you know, this footage of these UFOs. They never show the UFO arriving. They never show it leaving. It's just a short clip of something absolutely outrageous. You know, a figure walking along the surface of Mars or something. Uh, stop! You know this is not true. You know, I just saw that the other day. I was lo- watching that one. The figure on Mars. Mars is a dead planet. <laughs> it doesn't have a magnetic field. You cannot live there. Sorry, Elon Musk. It's not going to work. The radiation will kill you. Uh, so I'm not so sure what, what is up with that. I mean, having a base on the moon is not even really feasible. You need an atmosphere. You need a magnetic field. We have big problems already with radiation here on Earth. So I am just not sure... <laughs> What's being put forth with that? Uh, this is why I think we really need to just educate ourselves as much as we can to sift through all the disinformation, misinformation. You know what I heard that was really interesting? Was this on a UFO show? I think it was. I forget which one. UFO Witness. Maybe that was it. It's about the Phoenix Lights incident. Mm-hmm. And they were interviewing Francis Barwood. Who you know is the city councilwoman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, I saw this one. Yeah, it was interesting because I like her. You know, she's like very sincere. I think she's honest. She's the only one of any government level who's willing to do any investigation really at all into the Phoenix Lights. 
And uh, she talked about how she had received this call from a gentleman who had actually got film of it. And we've seen some film footage from you know, Dr. Lynn Kite, Kite, yeah. Kitai, and you know, some other people, Tom King, I think. There's a, some interesting photographs in film, but nothing that's like super like, wow, there it is, hands down, it's real. I mean, I shouldn't say that completely because some of the footage is actually quite good. But this guy says, oh, I've got it, man. I've got it. You can see it. It's the best footage ever. And she's like, oh, great. Um, I would love to see it. Uh, and uh, can I send someone by to pick up this film? And he's like, yeah. She's like, okay, I'll get back to you uh, when I arrange it. And uh, she calls him up, and, or he called her. And uh, he says, oh, yeah, thanks for coming and picking up the footage. Your guys came and picked it up. She's like, what? He's <laughs> like, yeah, two gentlemen in suits. She says, I don't have any gentlemen that work with me. I have three women who work with me. I'm calling you now to set this up. And he's like, well, they took the footage. They took it all. And following this, this poor guy uh, apparently was in ill health and was rushed off to the hospital and disappears. His neighbors don't know where he is. Nobody knows where he is. So he raised off the face of this planet. Mm. And this is... Mm. This Phoenix, is the, this is, the Phoenix Lights is another one that I tend to lean towards some type of secret government project. Mm, mm, you think it was I alien? I don't think so. Yeah, you know why? Why? Because of the events at Luke Air Force Base. And if anyone should know, it should be them. And they did not know. We've got insiders from Luke who said that that base just completely freaked out. And they lied, lied, lied about it. And Davis Monthan should have known. And apparently they were not prepared for this event because following it, they were releasing all these flares and trying to muddy the waters. And, and this thing, this object was at least a half mile in size. Yeah, some, say it was, some say it was bigger. And uh, it came, we know, it wasn't only over Arizona. I mean, this thing, there were reports from, I think, Utah, Nevada as well. And uh, it appeared over a period of two hours. And if you look into it, there was like, we went on high defense alert at the time. And there's a number of just weird incidents that surround this whole thing that sounds to me like we were caught off guard by whatever this was. And honestly, what I think what this was, was E.T., and it was a very carefully timed, very coordinated display to wake people up, purely and simply. As far as I know, there were no people taken on board this thing. There's a few scattered reports of people who said they saw figures through windows or something, but most no. Uh, but some did report spiritual awakenings because of it. Dr. Lin Kitai talks quite a bit about this. Bill Hamilton wrote a book about, well, UFOs. Yeah, he wrote a book on the Phoenix Lights incident, which covered that and some other incidents. And there's been a lot of documentaries on this. I've talked to first-hand witnesses. Uh, this is such an enormous craft. It just, I cannot 
fathom our own government, secret or otherwise, showing themselves to the population like that on purpose. I mean, I, obviously we can't rule it out because we don't know. But when I think of that Phoenix boomerang, <laughs> uh, I can only imagine how many ETs were on board that thing. I mean, if that thing is as big as I said it was, um, it could be up to a mile or even bigger. We, um, the half mile is a conservative estimate, and that's 2,500 feet. I mean, that's big. And uh, this thing must have been able to hold a million people. <laughs> it could have taken the entire population of Phoenix on board that thing. Can you imagine? What the heck was that? Maybe we do have something like that, but don't know where you'd park it. <laughs> where would you put that thing? How would you get into the air? How would you... I don't know. I, mean, I used oh, to. Have, I mean, if it was ours, I used to have to keep something like that underground. Yeah, but how would you get it underground? <laughs> That's a big ass tunnel. <gasps> yeah. I don't know. I, I I don't think that most of what people are seeing is government. I really don't. They're chasing cars down the street. They do that so often. They're landing in people's backyards. And when these things open up and figures come out, it's more than often than not they're greys or praying mantis or strange humanoids. And sometimes they are human-looking. But even then, people will describe very strange hypnotic eyes. I do worry about our own government, like taking one of these reverse-engineered craft and pulling a fast one on people. Mm -hmm. well, I don't know, there's, so, there's layers and rabbit holes in this. You know, Melinda Leslie, she's a very well-known contactee. I interviewed her about one of her encounters. She was with two people driving through the L.A. National Forest and came upon this UFO, full-on weird, you know, stacked levels to it. It's hanging over this gorge, sits on a ramp, pulls all of them out, all three of them out of the car. There's Grays. They pulled on board, and uh, she remembered it without hypnosis. Mm. She's, she's good at that. And I think they did go under hypnosis. I recently it, had, I forgot her name, but Bud Hopkins wrote a book about her. You know, there's a movie called Intruders about her. Uh, oh, Kathy Davis? Yeah. Or Debbie Jordan Cobble? Kathy Debbie Davis. Jordan Cobble. That's yeah. what I had on. I had her on a couple of weeks ago. Really interesting story. And one of the things that I really find interesting about hers is she still has some of the soil. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lending trees. Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting because the soil is like microwaved. I forget what it's desiccated. It's there's a name for it, where it just doesn't absorb water mm -hmm. anymore. It's good evidence, and this turns up in a lot of cases. And uh, I know there was a case in Brazil. I just reviewed it, Antonio Ferreira, where a UFO landed, and there was a metal fence nearby with posts, metal posts, and. The, Investigators were very scientific, very thorough, very, you know, analytically, just did a right the investigation and did it right, and were able to take a 
Gauss meter, is that what it's called? A magnetic magnetometer type mm -hmm. thing. And uh, measured the magnetics against in this area. And each fence post was magnetized in this inverse sort of inverse square law, you know, where the closer it was to this incident, the more magnetized it was. And it was absolutely great evidence that this was a physical event with a craft that emitted a very powerful magnetic field. It's the kind of evidence you can't fake. And there's almost no way to, to do something like this unless you have the technology to do it. And this was a night watchman who was not literate. He did not have, you know, couldn't read or write, <laughs> had not read books. He was a, you know, a young, young man when this happened. And there was all kinds of evidence, actually. His shirt was burned. There was a dog in the area who was completely traumatized. There were three other witnesses who saw, you know, UFOs in that area at that time. A great case. With landing trace. I like the landing trace evidence. People say, ah, there's no evidence. I'm like, mm, <laughs> you haven't done your homework. You can march out. Great cases. That's something I would like to do a study on is the best landing trace cases. Still think the best is Lonnie Zamora, the Socorro landing in New Mexico in 1964. I think it was. Which has great evidence. I mean, the Soil was glassified and it was clearly subjected to very high heat. A creosote bush was sliced in half. There were little metal fragments where the legs of this object dug into the ground. And a lot of people don't know that, according to Hynek, he told one of the witnesses that, oh, I have like 50 witnesses who saw that same craft in this area around that same period of time. So hmm. it's far more evidence to that case than I think is, you know, in most reports. But boy, our government sure was interested in it. <laughs> and you know what they called it? They thought it was a lunar module experiment. Yeah, right. <laughs> really? We're going to do that in Socorro, huh? It's going to land it in somebody's front yard. <laughs> yeah, and that's why you sent over FBI agents. Uh-huh. <gasps> Our government's mishandling of this subject is just unbelievable to me. I found, you know, I just did a video on, I'm right in the middle of it, the top 20 cases of Arizona. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I put out, you know, part one. And there's a case in there involving a weather observer. And uh, he saw, it was a pretty standard sighting, two objects. But what's great about it is he's a trained observer. And he was watching a weather balloon through a theodolite. And a theodolite is a observation device with a telescope and a camera and a compass, which allows you to triangulate and sort of measure the size of an object, its distance, its movement, and so forth. So he's watching this balloon through the theodolite and uh, sees two UFOs floating around this balloon. <laughs> which is not uncommon, this sort of thing. Uh, when we launch balloons or rockets, UFOs sometimes show up. 
And so they did. It was a good observation. He watched it for five minutes. These were white, mostly spherical, almost glowing objects. And uh, he submitted a report. And they were very interested. And this went right to Wright Patterson, commanding general. I got the documents. I showed him the video. And they were very interested in every detail of this report. And this was in the 1950s, 57, 56, around there. And uh, that was a time when the Air Force, and for that matter, still says, there's nothing to this. (laughs) There are no such thing as UFOs. We have no interest in this subject. You are misperceiving, you're lying, you're hoaxing, hallucinating, or misperceiving. Talking out one side of their mouth and out of the other, they're like, what did you see? What did you see? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, ah, it's infuriating to to have the evidence that our own government knows this is real. Hard evidence. And to hear them saying, oh, it's not real. We don't know what it is. Oh, we just started studying it. I'm like, well, Look at this document. <laughs> what are you telling me? <laughs> Look, you wrote this. <laughs> this is your writing. There's kernels, signatures. It says, you know, t- secret, crossed out, now declassified. And uh, they're still saying, mealy mouth hand wringing. That's what I call it. Makes me want to use a bad word. <laughs> frustrating I I can't take it much longer stop it stop this uh, nonsense you cannot tell us this is not real when we have your own damn document saying you believe in this gets me angry Hmm. and I really get fired up about this I shouldn't I mean it's just a stupid sighting Uh, but I am because I think we have this technology. I think they, they're neck deep in this. This is the biggest thing that's going on with humanity and has been ever since Roswell, before. And this is where all the secret government is. You know, this is what it's all about. It's all about UFOs. I agree. So I can see why, you know, there is so much controversy surrounding it. If that's the decision they made to cover it up, well, they're they're sticking to their guns and they're going to do whatever it takes, even if it means killing that poor guy from Phoenix, Arizona, who happened to have a camera when most people were just too open-mouthed and gobsmacked to whip one out and take a picture. And I think, honestly, that sometimes it's not so easy to take a picture as you might think just because you have a camera got case after case of this, and I've talked to people who've had this happen. Happened to me, for that matter. You have a camera right next to you, and you see something, and you cannot get to that camera. Something stops you. Like, don't take a picture, don't take a picture. I've had people tell me this. One guy I interviewed, Jay Gardner, uh, had a brand new digital, well, his friend did, brand new digital, was it him or his friend? Well, they were together at either rate. And this UFO shows up, and it's right there. I mean, it's in the alley next to their house. It's 100 feet up. It's this giant glowing red object. Yeah, it was Jay. He took the 
brand new digital camera points it towards the object and it powers down to zero. The camera turns it away, zoom, powers up, points it back, powers down, points it, did it three times. Fine. Not going to let him get a picture. Or you might take a picture and it comes out completely blank. Right. More, more often than not, they'll just power down your camera. Or they will say, you will. This is not the droid you're looking for. You don't have a camera. <laughs> you know, people just completely forget that they have a camera. When I had my close-up sighting, close, 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 like 50 feet away from me, a giant glowing sphere, I didn't even think of it. Hmm. And I could not take my eyes off this thing. I was glued to it. <laughs> I, I did not want to look away, and I nothing went through my mind other than, wow, 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 wow. What? Sometimes they do let you take cam, you know, pictures. I think you know, the Billy Meyer case, super controversial. Uh huh. <laughs> and there are some who are absolutely convinced he's hoaxing, and I'm not one of them, because if you look at the totality of the evidence. He has multiple, dozens upon dozens of incidents where he's in a group of people, and they're all seeing the UFO. And they, there's the testimony. Some of them have written books. You know, he's not the only one who was there. And his footage has been analyzed by professional labs. The professional labs did not find strings, you know, did not think it was a small object close to the camera. Yes, they found a model, but many people who see a UFO will build a model, and that's what he said he did. Yes, his wife said that he hoaxed, but it was a messy divorce. <laughs> and, you know, that's Bud Hopkins' ex-wife, Carol Rainey, mm -hmm. started throwing shade all over the Brooklyn Bridge incident. And uh, I can tell you, I talked to a first-hand witness, Yancey Spence, it was one of the guys on the Brooklyn Bridge. And he'll do a double black flip. <laughs> you try to say that he hopes this. Or that He's like, I was there. He was there. And he is sticking by his guns as to what he saw. Uh, so, I mean, calling anything a hoax is easy to do if you weren't there. And uh, I don't know. I think sometimes they do pose for cameras. I think that's what happened with Billy Meyer. And they actually gave him a piece of metal, too. And that piece of metal was scientifically analyzed by Marcel Vogel, a well-respected inventor who worked with quartz crystals and stuff, and said that there, there was a very unusual elements to it. There was no actual alien elements or unidentified metals, but it was composed in such a way that we did not have the technology to do it. And there's landing trace cases with the Billy Meyer case. There's a lot of evidence to support it. On the other hand, I've got some huge problems with some of it, too. <laughs> some of the photographs he put forth as true were mm -hmm. proven, absolutely, and convincingly debunked. Like the one lady he said was Sanyazi or an Ascat turned out to be game show hosts. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> and uh, there's some other photographs. Which, um, 
So I don't know quite what to make some of these cases. Like, uh, it, it's it's weird. I mean, when it's one of the things that the disinformation people do really well is they intermingle legitimate evidence with false evidence. Yeah. And that's one of the things that makes it difficult. It really, really does. And I always get super suspicious when a case is viciously attacked. And I would point to, like, Stan Romanek, who I talked to twice, and his wife. And that's another case where if you're going to call him a hoaxer, you better be ready to call his wife a hoaxer and his whole family and his friends and quite a few people around him. <laughs> and there's a few things that created huge problems with his case. He was once caught on video apparently throwing a pen across the room saying, oh my God, did you see that? And I, I don't know. I can't speak to what happened there. But I can say he's presented more evidence than your average abductee. And he's got scoop marks, you know, a bunch of body marks, multiple eyewitness testimony from multiple sources, lots of photographs that have never been proven fake. And his main problem was the he was arrested for pornography. And that shut him up. And he said he didn't do it, he was framed, and every member of his family and friends support him. Do not believe that he was guilty. Hmm. And the uh, last I heard, he was quite ill. He was, he was, you know, under, what do you call it, in a halfway house or you know, doing parole time, sort of like that. But it shut him up. It effectively shut him up and debunked his case. Or not debunked, but what would you call it? I don't even know. Throw shade on it. Yeah. Just made it. And uh, you know, I, every now and then I'll talk about his case, and people are like, ah, he's a liar. You know that. He's a hoaxer. And I'm like, I don't know that. I don't know one way or the other. But he did stuff I mean, that was absolutely I mean, hard to explain. He was writing all these mathematical things, equations, which right. they sent to a physicist, and the physicist was, it blew his mind. But Stan Romanek does not have the education to write these things. And he was given messages of warnings of upcoming disaster. I mean, his case is pretty standard in most ways. Uh, but he was viciously attacked. And I wonder about that. And if, if he was framed. Like uh, the Gulf Breeze guy, what's his name? Oh, I can't think of the guy who took all the photographs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what was his name? At any rate, uh, a lot, he was pretty viciously attacked. His case split MUFON down the middle. <laughs> people who supported him and people who didn't. And what's amazing about that case is, yeah, he took these photographs, which were analyzed by Bruce Maccabee and declared genuine. Bruce Maccabee gave him a, cameras, which could not be tampered with, with without him knowing. And there were two cameras on this bar so he could triangulate. And he was this guy. God, why can't I remember his name? Uh, Ar Walters, Ed Walters. There it is. Took pictures. And uh, Bruce Maccabee declared them absolutely genuine. The camera was not messed with. And uh, so he's a big believer. Bruce Maccabee is. But 
you know, there were people within MUFON who declared it a hoax. He did, and people within uh, Walter's circle, apparently there was a kid who came over and said he saw a model of the UFO, which Ed Walters had built. Yeah, there, there's word of advice for anyone. <laughs> if you see a UFO, be very careful <laughs> if you build a model of what you saw. <laughs> because then people are going to be all over your face. But it's not a hoax. I, I support the Ed Walters case. Because uh, even if you took him out of the equation, uh, the case st still stands up. Hundreds and hundreds of witnesses to that case. And his wife supported him at all through it. I, I'm not sure if she did it towards the end because they got another... I think Did they get a divorce? I think so. Yeah, I feel sorry for couples who go mm -hmm. through the whole UFO situation. <laughs> the ETs called Ed Walters Zihas. That was their nickname for him. And he did not know what that means. Turns out that's, I think, Spanish for eyebrows. <laughs> and, and, and if you know, Ed Walters has got these big, thick, furry eyebrows. <laughs> Uh, it's a very interesting case, and he got good hard evidence, and that's the danger when you get when they pose for you these UFOs. Remember that picture he took of the UFO in front of his car mm -hmm. on the highway? You can see the reflection in the hood of his car. It's a very close-up photograph, and no one's been able to debunk it. And that that's this is when the guns came out and started attacking this guy. That's why I always want to take a second look whenever anyone is viciously attacked. <laughs> they'll try, they'll do anything to debunk him. I'm like, oh, why are you so interested? If he's truly a hoaxer, who cares? Hmm. Yeah, the evidence is being suppressed, viciously suppressed, and for the, you know, the tic tac footage, which is good footage. There you go. There's a UFO. You can see it. And uh, our own military pilots are saying, we don't know what this is. And you can hear them saying, oh, wow, look, oh, my God. And uh, the Pentagon and you know the Air Force or the Navy, rather, can't backpedal this one. Sorry, the footage came out, and that's what, that's what forced disclosure. I don't think they did it voluntarily at all. I think they're like, oh, crap. Now what are we going to do? Let's call it. Japanese, China, Russia. We don't know what it is. We think it might be metallic. You think, huh? Mm. And that, that is not the best footage they have by any means. Remember what Gordon Cooper saw at Edwards? Oh, yeah. UFO? I mean, he didn't see it personally. He saw the, he developed the footage of a UFO landing <laughs> up, uh, on the runway. I really want to see that footage so bad. Me too. <laughs> oh, man. And I know it's somewhere. Gordon Cooper is not lying to us. Oh. And so that's the kind of footage that for them to say, oh, you know, we've got this footage. Look. They didn't release that voluntarily. I believe most of that footage that we're seeing was leaked out. And they had to make statements because this was legit footage. Hmm. And I expect we're going to be seeing some more because we're at that point now where they're like, well, we have to do something. You know, people are paying attention to the man behind the curtain. So they 
have no choice. And if they are listening to this podcast, and I suspect they are, I suspect there are government agents whose job it is to monitor each and every podcast, each and every researcher. This is my advice to you guys. Ramp it up. Ramp up your disclosure. I know you're not going to tell everything. <laughs> I know that's not your plan. You've got your agenda. I get it. Fine. You've made your decision to do what you're going to do. But if you do not start ramping up disclosure, you will lose control of people's perception of this phenomena, and no one will trust you. We already don't. And all the big figures in the UFO field are just out of their minds with how our government is handling the subject. It's over. You cannot do this anymore. You have to ramp up your level of truth and transparency, period. You can't right. do it this anymore. At least to an acceptable level, you know, like you say, like they're never going to tell us everything. They're always going to want to keep their secrets. Yeah, here's what they need to do. They need to tell us UFOs are real. It's alien. It's extraterrestrial. We have the craft. We have the technology. We have the bodies. Here's one of them. You can't touch it. We're not going to allow you to approach it. Fine, but show us. And uh, fine, keep, you know, keep, you know, I can understand why you might not want people to like start digging at the metal. But, well, no, I really can't. But <laughs> uh, I think that's how far you're going to have to go. Uh, because we already know you have it. We know, no, no, that you have the Roswell craft and the bodies. And for that matter, <laughs> the Aztec craft and the Kexpert craft, and the Aurora Valley, and, and you can go on and on. There's a lot of them. You know, you know Jim and Coral Lorenzen? Mm -hmm. There's a, this one little tidbit that my mind always goes to. They talked to an Air Force officer who would, was able to handle one of these little uniforms taken from one of these greys. And it was, she said it was like four feet long. It was just this little uniform. He held it. He played around with it. He got to touch it. Let's let's see that. Show us that. Show us the little alien uniform. Show us the alien body. What is the big deal? I think they're worried that if people know, no, no, that UFOs are real, it's going to cause a shift in consciousness and a raising of consciousness and a come togetherness to a society that's deeply divided. And for whatever reason, they do not seem to want that. They do not want people to know UFOs are real. Why? That's, that's the crux to this cover-up. Why don't they want people to know that we are not alone? And I think the reason is because if we know we're not alone, we're going to come together. We're going to resolve our differences. And we're not going to war against each other. And we're going to start like paying closer attention to how we're treating each other. And this, I think, for, I don't know, it's, 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 this really makes me think that our own governments at the highest levels, these power elite, don't have our best interests in mind. That they're not really people who should be in charge. 
And if they want to remain in charge, you better give us the reason to keep you in charge or there's going to be a rebellion. And we're going to put people in charge who have some more roles and who are willing to tell the truth. And if you're not, bye. Mm-hmm. You know, the people are the most powerful force on this planet. They really are. You can't stop everybody. Uh, I think one of the things, too, is if, you know, you talk about the governments holding on to control. I wonder if they're afraid of people starting to think like, you know, like, like me personally, I don't believe in one person ruling over another. You know, I believe in true equanimity with people. You know, I, I think it's wrong for one person to be telling another person what to do. I think that might be a threat to them. Yeah, I mean, just look at the history of governments. Uh, when, you know, labor laws and people had to rebel. We were working seven days a week. Well, six. Saturday was not a thing. <laughs> you know, this eight-day work week or eight-hour work day was, was not a thing. People worked from sunup to, you know, hours upon hours, and their health was suffering. And food, you know, the, pe- the food people were being given. And, ah, we had to force people to do the right thing. And government has really never been on our side. It's been citizens' groups that have, you know, forced people to do the right thing. We, should, we don't need speed bumps. We shouldn't have to have speed bumps on the road. People should have the morals to not speed. <laughs> we shouldn't, people should not have to work two jobs just to survive. It makes no sense. I'm wondering if we should put a limit on a person's wealth. I hate to do that because I don't like laws really at all. But if someone is just going to obscenely collect wealth and ruthlessly crush you know, the majority of the population, something has to be done. Or just make the wealth devalued. Yeah, you something. Know, take the t- you know, also the, the, yeah, a certain amount of money and sort of that, devalue it. I think ultimately the solution would be education. And I know that's very idealistic. But yeah, the considering they that, control the education too. <laughs> yeah, but but because I'm like looking at the ETs, I'm like, how come they don't have these problems? You know, how come we are so different from them sociologically? And uh, if you look at how, because it's hard to get any real information about ET society, but they don't have money, and there's no reports of that of ETs, you know, crimes and. You know, the evidence that they're warring against each other is mm-hmm. really not even there either. They're getting along just fine. <laughs> what do they have that we don't? And what that is, is spirituality. It's morality. It's ethics. It's psychic ability. You can't lie to an ET. ETs can't lie to each other. They're super telepathic. So what we need to do is start teaching morality in school. Start teaching spiritual development, teach kids meditation and astral travel and all of this stuff. And we're, we are seeing a huge explosion of psychic abilities in the younger generation. 
you know, the star kids and the indigo ch- children, mm-hmm. and kids seeing blindfold, you know, seeing, seeing through closed eyes and blindfolds and all this really interesting stuff that's going on. And I think that's what we really need to focus on is education and letting people know that we are one race. There are not different races on this planet. There's the human race and that's it. There's very little difference between anyone of different ancestry. There's very little difference genetically between all life on Earth. The genetics between a stalk of celery and a giraffe and a peacock and a chimpanzee and a human and a fish are incredibly similar. Uh, We are all one. We truly are. And that's what we need to start working towards is psychic development. That's what the ETs are saying. That's what they want us to do, and that's what they're doing to contactees. Mm. Contactees are the nicest people. (laughs) They are very kind. Yeah. Yeah. Very psychic. And I think really that's the key to all of this. That's what you know, the contactee era, mm-hmm. George Adamski and Howard Menger, and that's what they're, that's what they told the contactees. It was like, you need to stop your wars, your warlike ways. Uh, I would love that. If we could just have, let's start with peace on earth. That would be amazing. That would be a great step forward. Has that ever happened? Have we ever had a time in history where there hasn't been a war? going on somewhere I don't know I don't think there has and it's like almost unbelievable to me I mean I get it we, we all get into disagreements and fights but you know in families you, you get along everyone has disagreements mm-hmm. everyone, has, everyone has differing belief systems everyone has their own wants their own goals their own agendas but we can get along no problem with that there's enough. I think that's what we need to do, and that will lead towards good moral people getting within positions of power. We need to make morality, ethics, uh, the paramount thing. All our decisions must be guided by actual truth, not lies, truth, and compassion and love. Every time you decided to do something, you thought, is this loving? Wars would end overnight. There would be no racism. There would be no unequal distribution of wealth. There would be no corruption. There would be pollution. All our huge problems would fade away so quickly if everyone just decided to be loving. So that's what I think we should do. I'm not sure how to do it other than for each person to work on themselves and try to be your best person. Like Oprah said, live your best life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why she's so popular, you know, because yeah. she's giving a message of love and truth. Yeah. You know, like one of the things I always try to tell my listeners to experiment. Experiment with your own consciousness. See what kind of abilities you can use that you might not have been aware of before. Yeah. And you can see how much work we have to do when you look go online I remember I was watching Saturday Night Live <laughs> and they brought on a character and it was the devil. 
or, or something like this. And he says, well, do you, what makes you believe in hell? And he said, YouTube comments. <laughs> I thought that was so funny <laughs> because if you look at the comments on you know Facebook and YouTube and social media platforms, it's like wow, <laughs> why are you so distraught over <laughs> what would cause you to be so viciously hostile to somebody? Right. <laughs> Oh my God! Calm down. Like Taylor Swift said, everyone needs to just calm down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this is a good indication of where we're at: is social media, and uh, you know, when people drive, uh, <laughs> they think they're anonymous or something. Like you get in your car and you're another person. It's like, don't stop tailgating. What are you doing? Why would you cut someone off like that? Why would you viciously try to road rage somebody just because you know they were st stupidly don't know where they're going or something and they act, you know, didn't see the light was green or red? Calm down. Have some patience. We need to... Yeah, you can see how much work we have <laughs> when you look at Facebook. Oh, the things I've been called, personally, I'm like, oh my god. You know, I put forth a case or something, and BS, you know, they're demonic. How can you say this person was healed? I'm like, listen, I didn't say it. This is their case. I am presenting to you what this person said. Why are you attacking me? And if I say, oh, you know, this person had a negative case, you know, they had a lot of fear, they're, they're not happy. Like, how can you say that? Ichis are here to help us. No, no, no. <laughs> fine, fine, disagree with me. And so I love it when I get comments like, you know, I disagree with you. I totally respect you, but here's why I disagree. Right. Thank you. I love you. Thanks for disagreeing with me. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Because let's just do it in a loving way. Yeah. So, you know, uh, makes perfect sense so before we wrap it up I want to thank you for being on again it's always a pleasure having you um, where can my listeners find you and find your latest book Wondrous yes on Amazon it's still a bestseller I'm super excited <laughs> I'm not surprised <laughs> I made the Amazon bestseller or for UFOs not like the top, not the New York Times. Yeah, very few UFO books have made it there. I think there's four or something. <laughs> Communion, Day After Roswell, Behind the Flying Saucers by Frank Scully. Couple. Yeah, I've got a website as well. Preston Books on Amazon. I'm on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. And uh, shoot, I got on my soapbox again. I hate it when I do that. That's the best. It needs to be done. <laughs> That's why I like it. Um, I just want people to know UFOs are real. That was that's my main mission. That and there is life after death, and that we are. That, that's a big one too. That's one of my yeah. my because I've experienced it. <laughs> yeah. And that we are all one. And that love is the answer. Those would be my closing quotes. <laughs> my Medi meditate, meditate, meditate. Raise your consciousness. Yes. Love one another, like Bill and Ted's excellent adventure what was it 
be kind to one another. You know, be excellent. Be excellent. To one <laughs> that was good advice. It was. That's why Keanu, Keanu Reeves, he's a good guy. Yep. All right, man. Well, thanks again. And hang on for one moment. Oh, I'll post the links to your website and to your YouTube and to your book in the notes of this episode. And uh, thanks for being on. And I'm going to play the outro. Thank you. and other merchandise